Warning, what you're about to hear may contain mature language, adult situations, and depictions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Keith. Hi, Elliot. How are you today? I am fine, thank you. How are you doing? I am also fine. For those of you who don't know, this is the Trash Heap Podcast. The movie show, show about movies. <laughs> no. What? The, the movie show. It's the movie show. Welcome to the U, the movie show on USA Networks, up all night. We're going to be talking movies and movie stars and uh, the people who love them. Uh, this is the show where me and Keith, my name is Elliot. Man, we're, is, gi- we're given discarded gems a second chance and we're out to prove once and for all there are no garbage movies, only garbage opinions. Thank you. Yeah, it's true. I feel like Get, there's a I got la- that tattooed on my back. You should have that tattooed. I feel there's a lack of enthusiasm today, and that might have something to do with the movie we're watching or we, that we watched. I don't have enough blood. That's what's really th- missing. Yeah, I don't yeah, have yeah. enough blood. Um, I've been uh, donating blood and plasma to make ends meet, and so I'm running, running a little low on uh, the old red cell count. Or the, well, I mean, there is a, sh- a national shortage for that, so I guess you're helping out the community. Yeah, I'm doing the Lord's know. work. And uh, no, actually, I do have a, f- a decent amount of enthusiasm to talk about this movie. It's not the best movie by any means, uh, and it's funny. Like, I think you didn't like this movie at all, right? Like, you had you a- actively disliked it. Which is funny because you chose this movie. I have a lot of problems or suggested this with movie. it. Definitely, yeah. it's a real problem. I got problems with it too, but I do find it like entertaining enough. But that's the um, whole this... point. This is this we we retrieve these discarded gems and give them a second look. We shine them off, clean them off, and give them a shot. But it doesn't always work out, and I think no. that's just what happened here. So we're talking about. Um, 1992's Chuck Norris, Jonathan Brandis vehicle Sidekicks, directed by Aaron Norris, Chuck Norris's brother. Oh man, the fix is in. And the premise of this movie. Oh, is... let me take a crack at okay. this. Okay, yeah. A... a young schizophrenic boy attempts to cure his asthma by competing in a karate tournament. Pretty much, this is uh, the kid has these daydreams. Jonathan Brandis, uh, R.I.P. Uh, has these daydreams about how he's Chuck Norris's sidekick in all the Chuck Norris movies, and when you watch this movie, like this, these are well beyond daydreams. These are full-on hallucinations. Yeah, that was one of my big sticking points. Was what are the rules for these hallucinations? Like, is he thrashing around, acting these out with his eyes closed, or is he just zoned out? There's kind of an inconsistent presentation. There, At one point, he's walking down the street to school, and he ends up diving into the bushes and the grass and crawling around like he's in Vietnam. Right. And there's another point where he's just, like, talking aloud in class as if he's having a conversation with Chuck Norris while the entire rest of the class stares at him. Um, there is, yes, there is some inconsistency, but I'm saying, like, they are they're well beyond just, like, drifting off into a daydream. It's, these are full-on delusions. And severe enough that the adults around him have sort of deemed him, like, unwell. So this movie starts out, like, my first re- thought about this was, it starts out with a fantasy scene, and I'm like, what is going on? 
we hit, there's this Gandalf looking character walking through what looks like Middle Earth, but then it it changes to like ancient Japan, and there's samurai wizards and ninjas, and then there's a a woman who's chained up who seems to be having an orgasm, and this is a kids movie. Keep in mind, you know Chuck Norris was, you know, not known for his children's movies, but this was his for, his a uh, foray into that arena, and. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's just an awkward tone. Let me ask you this before we get into the full movie. When this movie came out, or just when you were a kid in general, were you a Chuck Norris fan? Yeah, definitely. Really? Okay. So did you and did you see this movie when it came out? I did not see it immediately, but I did see the trailer, and the idea was a very appealing to me. Yeah. So I was. Uh, I definitely liked the idea of like, oh yeah, you're teaming up with your hero in these fantasy realms. Yeah, I was dressing not, exactly like him. Yeah, I was not into Chuck Norris when I was a kid. Mm. Um, I find I, uh, as as an adult, I feel like I, I appreciate his movies more because I do find them more comical and unintentionally, and I, the, the the goofiness of a lot of them. It's the same with like Seagal movies. I didn't like Seagal movies when I was a kid because I thought you know for all the reasons why Seagal sucks, but that's the reason why I like Seagal movies now. That's really funny because I I liked Chuck Norris. But I thought Van Damme and Seagal were way cooler guys. And so if their movies came on, I'd be really excited. Because all the Chuck Norris movies always had like kind of an old-timey feel to it. It was like watching uh, like a John Ford Western, say, compared to like a Sergio Leone Western. Like they were always kind of like... slow pace and then like the action scenes were just like he'd kick somebody and that would be the end of it and now and his martial arts was always like passable but like not flashy or exciting well i mean i don't know i mean i know that he was like wasn't he was like an actual like championship competing martial artist but he's not yeah he's not doing like no real karate doesn't look cool in movies no it looks very very dull um so, yeah, he was never my favorite. I didn't really care for his movies uh, or think he was cool when I was a kid. What about the one where he's a, a drunken cop who teams up with a dog? Uh, you know, I have Top Dog. I have I missed that one. I um, did. See, here's the thing, though. I liked some of the movies like Hellbound, where he's, mm-hmm. uh, he's a cop who is... He, like, fakes his death and goes undercover as a hitman for the mafia, and then... No way. That's a, in, like, that's a different one. I'm mashing up two movies. There's one where he he fakes his death and goes undercover as a hitman for the mafia, and that's the story. But then there's another one where he's a cop and he's hunting down a essentially the reincarnation of the devil, and that movie is pretty cool. I would 100% watch a movie like that nowadays. Like I love. Uh... Invasion USA. I think that's a really entertaining movie oh, yeah. that, that he's done. So it's not, yeah, it's like today, like I can find entertainment in him, but I was the same way with Seagal. I thought Seagal was lame when I was a kid, you know, for all the all the reasons that I think he's lame now, but I just find those reasons funny. Like, I didn't think he was cool. Uh, I didn't like his pers- like his persona. I didn't like the fact that like in fights, he just was always the, the best, you know, type of thing. Like, how no one ever landed a blow on him. So I'm like, what's the point? Like, like that's cool. It can be cool in like an opening scene where he's like, oh, he takes out the, fr- the the individual guys. No one's expecting him to be this badass. But like, also you have to get to a point where there's challenges you face, you know, type of thing. And that's what Van Damme always understood. He understood you have to sell the fight. You have to have drama. 
you have to uh, fight from the bottom, mm-hmm. right? Even if you're a badass, you still have to take a lot of punishment and sort of rise up like Lazarus. And that's why in most Van Damme movies, there's literally a scene after he gets the shit beat out of him where he rises up and through oh, sheer, sheer will or with the aid of experimental drugs, uh, he's able to overcome his foe. Absolutely. And I would I would say like out of the uh, Western martial arts, uh, you know, action stars, he is easily the best. Oh, he's got uh, that, that Belgian charisma, baby. Even if like his movie output is very, uh, 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 what's the word, um, uneven in terms of quality. Oh, yeah. Know? But if you look at all of his best shit, like it's practically untouchable. I mean, Bloodsport, I mean, Bloodsport, it's a ridiculous movie that's corny and cheesy and poorly made in a lot of ways, but it's also fucking amazing, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, it hits every single note that it has to to get you just riled up and ready for it, you know? It was so good that he had to just go and remake it in order to, you know, try and ruin it and, like, take away some of its power. So, yeah, Chuck Norris, unfortunately, a uh, relic of the past, especially here in the early 90s when Mm -hmm. action movies were going in a different direction. This is definitely, like, the end, like, just before he, like, turns from being a megastar to just falling into almost obscurity. But, I mean, I guess he had Walker, Texas Ranger after this, but in terms of being a movie star, like, this was, like, he was still, like, right up there at this moment, and then immediately after this, you know. Well, and this is when he started to get into, like, this, the comedy stuff, and, like, kids' movies, and, you know, fun for the whole family, kind of. I would say I I occasionally did watch Walker, Texas Ranger, just because it was on TV, and, you know, it was dumb. But, yeah, so this movie came out. I never saw it when I I was a kid. I have seen it. This is the second time I've watched this movie. I watched it probably, like, sometime in my 20s. I think it's kind of fun enough. It's not necessarily boring, so... I would say give this one a watch. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. That's been the trash heap for this week. Uh, no, Keith, no, no. Take us out. Whoever wrote this movie, like, did not understand like th- how you sell like an underdog type of thing. Because in the first four minutes of the movie, he's has it starts out with this fantasy scene, and you know he wakes up in class, and everyone's like yelling at him and laughing at him. But then you know the hot girl in class, who's played by Winnie Cooper from the Wonder Years, like like so obviously wants him like in the for, in those minutes and he's just like oh no I'm a loser you know it's like like this is not how you write these types of movies you know there is an interesting sort of arc to that though because they really could have just ran with like oh uh, karate will cure his asthma and turn him into a cool person and he's going to get everything he wants but they didn't quite do that they uh, there was actually like a really good progression from even though it felt like there was a bunch of scenes missing and things kind of right. jumped around, there was a good progression of him understanding what his asthma is about and how to overcome it and, you know, what 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 he's doing with his life and why he's doing things. Like, it didn't just rest on, like, you know, there's that scene with the doctor where she's like, he has no scarring in his lungs. Like, by all, you know, recognition, he's fine. And and then it alludes to like, oh, this is just uh, anxiety from, you know, losing his mom, you know, 10 years ago and having like a, a you know, dipshit wiener of a dad who, you know, doesn't really pay attention to him and also doesn't instill confidence and support. Well, I think t- where this movie does kind of like 
have some redeeming aspects to it in terms of like why you can it moves along just enough and it's not from chuck norris and the fantasy scenes and later when chuck norris actually enters the movie he's barely a character right i mean it's like this is simultaneously an ego trip but also like i'm also i'm not really gonna do much in this type of thing you know at at one point i stopped to consider like oh is chuck norris a real guy in this or is he like a hallucination like Okay, in both well, worlds it's never completely clear like and no. it's, and it opens up so many plot holes and we'll get more to that when we get yeah closer we'll talk to about the, the ending but um but what really i think kind of does sell this movie along the most is uh bow bridges the, no uh <laughs> is mako the actor um who plays his like real life uh, martial arts mentor yeah their that, relationship is great and it wouldn't be much without jonathan brandis who can act his ass off and somehow is just acting circles around everybody in this movie even though he didn't have to well mako's an actual he's a, a legitimate really good actor and he was often relegated to roles like this or just kind of like goofy roles or side characters and he's been in so many so many things uh he is 100% elevating the material beyond what's on the paper, I, I think. Like he's really, like, giving it his all when he doesn't have to be. They do some interesting things with him where he's he's got a lot of, like, comedy character nonsense to him. But then he's also, like, really, for some reason, he seems to care about this kid when he doesn't have to. Like, they don't really know each other, and the, there's no kind of, like, grandiose introduction you know, that they made that they're sort of like, oh, you know, there's a, a good reason for them to come together. It's literally just his teacher was like, oh, hey, my uncle can help you out. Well, he also just seems to be like one of those kind of stock characters. So it's like, I'm a nice guy and I care about underdogs, you know, type of thing. So I love his introduction because he's coming into town. He's at like the, I don't know, the airport or mm-hmm. getting on the subway or something. And this old uh, Asian man in front of him is smoking a cigar. And this dingus in the back, uh, who's actually correct, is like, hey, can you tell that guy up front uh, to put out his cigar? Like, there's no smoking in here. Like, which is like, yeah, like how lit cigar down in like a subway tunnel or some shit. Like, that's that's garbage, man. And so this guy's in the right. But somehow he can't help himself from using slurs and like stereotypes. I was like, bro, if you if you would have just like dialed it back you would have been in the right here and then instead he sounds like a complete dipshit and mako does some kind of a magic trick with the cigar to make it disappear and then puts it in the guy's pocket and he's on fire (laughs) well that's the that's the one of the things that's like most mind-boggling to me about this movie is this movie tries to point out and discredit stereotypes while simultaneously heavily perpetuating them you yeah, know? you can tell that the person who wrote the movie and directed the movie are not the same person. Right. Because it's like they, like, yeah, there's scenes like that where, like, in that scene, Mako makes the line. He's like, he's like, oh, okay, well, I'll talk to him. But which one were you talking about since you clearly think we all are the same type yeah. of thing? And then in the next scenes, characters will be making, like, the over-exaggerated, like, hi noises. And yeah. That the fucking fantasy scene where Joe Pishkopo is playing a Viet Cong. Oh my god, He's dude. He's so fucking cringy with like the bad Asian makeup and just yeah. like the, and yeah. the, the, the long like Fu Manchu yeah. mustache and god like even in 1992 I don't know how that got passed like anything where it was just like yeah, sure, we'll put this in the movie. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, I guess everyone was sitting there just like focused on like, oh, look at Joe Piscopo is like wearing stupid makeup and not like thinking about like, oh god. Yeah, it's, it's bad. Is it even like for that time? Uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. The Fu Manchu and like the crazy makeup and stuff on Joe Piscopo is just it's like way too much. And he was not funny as like the dickhead karate instructor at the evil dojo. He was awful. He was atrocious. I mean, it was like, I've never been a Joe Piscopo fan per se, but uh, I even he is capable of better work than this. And yeah. what the movie has going for it is he's not in it that much. But then also yeah. it's like, okay, well, who am, who am I invested in in terms of, you know, the adversary? You know, it's like, it's not the bully kid. It's, it, I guess it's just like the biggest enemy of all was the asthma. Yeah, pretty much. I do like the uh, gym coach mm-hmm. played by Richard Mall. Like, I think he'd actually, obviously, he's a pretty one-dimensional character, but like, he at least is a good, a good character to play off of because Jonathan Brandis is like constantly getting sort of uh, treated a certain way because of his asthma and uh, like these expectations placed on him. And the coach is like, "Hey, buddy, like." I don't want you dropping dead in my class, so go back and sit on the on the bleachers where you're supposed to and right. stop trying to exercise. And eventually, uh, Jonathan Brandis, whose character is named Barry, earns his respect, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's like there's there's moment like I don't know, like I it feels like I'm saying mostly bad things about this movie, uh, but I did actually. And I'm saying it. good things, like the I know the inverse of what was supposed to happen is happening. But I did enjoy it is the funny thing. It's like, I don't know, there's a goofy charm to it. Uh, if you can get over, like, yeah, like the the dumb, the dumb stuff, the straight-up offensive stuff, there is some level of entertainment. And like you said, Jonathan Brandis really sells it here. He does. There's a handful of people, even Bo Bridges, whose character is just kind of like like this, just like the, the lamest kind of just schmuck. Bo Bridges is doing that pretty well, you know? I mean... yeah. The way he constantly shouts beautiful when someone does martial arts is so fucking embarrassing. Yeah. That's like just the lamest type of like, here's something I don't understand. Like, I'm going to uh, sort of over compliment it. Mm-hmm. Like the teacher will do like she was doing some like martial arts movements in the living room and he just starts applauding. It's like, beautiful, beautiful. Wow. And then saying like, oh, I could never do that. And then he does like a mocking like, you know, kung fu noise and like waves his hands around. I was just like, that has always rubbed me the wrong way. The way people like either dismiss martial arts as like useless and not applicable in the real world. Or they have such reverence for it as if it's this like magical, mystical thing that aliens do. It's definitely in between and i wish that more people had sort of a reasonable perspective on it because that kind of stuff like ugh, he's such a wiener i'm a computer programmer and you know my wife died it was 10 years ago bud get over it (laughs) when he Um, says 10 years like they magically show up at the restaurant and dinner is over already yeah they're like talking about like oh uncle showed up and we had dinner and and i was like where is that scene why is that right. scene missing? Like, you're telling me, like, it's over. Right. It's ex- just explaining everything that happened in the scene that we could have just watched happen. Oh, and he does that thing where he's like, chopsticks are impossible to use. Oh, my God. I mean, those the, the joke was pretty tired when it came out. Yeah. Thing. And, and I get that, you know, for a lot of people, it is like trying to solve a fucking Rubik's Cube to use chopsticks. But it's really not that. 
The oh, Lord. I knew some. I knew somebody who was so inept with them that he would always he would have to use a fork, but he was embarrassed to ask for a fork, so he'd always have his girlfriend ask for the fork. <laughs> I was like, buddy, you, you gotta you gotta knock that off. <laughs> like, either learn how to use them or just ask for the fork yourself. Like, yeah, what a coward. Yeah. I think, too, it's like, even though I didn't like Chuck Norris, if I saw this movie when I was a little kid, I probably would have really liked it. No, just the the just the, the trailer and the images, yeah. like him dressed as little Chuck Norris in the outfits and, you know, firing a machine gun in Vietnam as a child and all that stuff is the kind of thing when you're a kid looks super cool. And this movie came out at a time, too, I think, where I was, like, just at the age where I felt like I was getting a little too old for stuff like this, you know? Oh, um, yeah. Like, I remember very specifically, like, between the time, like, the first, like, trail, like, going to the movie theater and seeing a trailer for Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time, between that happening and being like, oh, wow, I can't wait to see the next Ninja Turtles movies, and between that and the time it actually coming out, me being like, man, that's for kids, you know? Uh, And now if they make a new Ninja Turtles movie, I'll probably go see it as an adult type of thing. But yeah, it was just in that kind of perfect window for me where I was like, felt like I was too old for something like this. Yeah, I think Jonathan Brandis was actually the right age in this movie. He he was uh, old enough that he was relatable, but then he wasn't too young that the things he was doing were unbelievable, right? The martial arts sequences that he's in and uh, the stuff he does at the end of the movie in the tournament or in the karate event is all like very believable. Totally. And you know what's crazy? I mean, just in general about Jonathan Brandis, when this, he was like, it seemed like, didn't, do you remember him being like huge for a minute? Yeah, he was. And what's crazy though was like, I'm like, oh yeah, he was so big at this time, you know, before just kind of like getting a little bit older and falling into obscurity. And then I was looking up his filmography and he's not like, uh, he wasn't in that much stuff. He was on, he was in the It Mini. Th- miniseries and then he was in ladybugs and then he was in th- uh, this and never ending story two and that's it pretty much it's seek sequest sequest but even that was like okay that was a tv show and it was on after these things and it wasn't a huge tv show and it felt like that was like his start of like him falling out of you know popularity like we could get him from this tv show because he's not a movie draw anymore like two weeks after that movie came out you know he was just kind of a a teen heartthrob like he was just like famous for being like yeah he was probably just like oh because he was on tiger beat magazine and stuff like that yeah and he was also he showed up in a lot of sitcoms like um he he was on full house and a bunch of other stuff but he showed up like some of those other those other guys that are like were teen heartthrobs and you didn't really see them in a lot of stuff like that there was that one tan kid with dark hair i forget his name but like there was all those little guys, um, yeah, and they would just show up in other sitcoms, but they never really like went beyond, right? Like a guest print. Well, I'm looking at this. It's like okay, so he was in in 1992. He was in Ladybugs, uh, and he was in Sidekicks. And then uh, his next like significant thing is guest starring on Saved by the Bell as himself. Oh yeah. So it's like you've been in two movies, and now you're playing yourself in a, you know, uh, on a popular kids show. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I guess this was kind of like his moment in the, in the sun where, like, you, yeah, you just said, like, he was in just omnipresent for being a cute kid type of thing and a heartthrob. Well, and I think that him being in It was a pretty big deal, too. That's true, you know. He was clearly talented. Like, he had no shortage. Of, he was, like, right within that sort of generation of, like, you know, River Phoenix and Corey Feldman and uh, 
Well, he's a little younger than those guys, type of thing. He, he was more been, like, he would have been cool in the Lost Boys, actually. Yeah, he would have been like way too young though. He, like, he's he's like a good clip younger than those guys. Oh, I know, but just yeah. in terms of like his look and his energy and stuff, like he right, could, he sure. could have fit into that pretty well. Uh, he's like he's more like the Jonathan Taylor Thomas era, you know. Yeah. See, that's the funny thing is Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Like, I could name a bunch of movies he's been in, but I haven't seen any of them. Like Man of the House and and Man of the House. Yeah, well, maybe that's the only <laughs> one. Fuck that guy, uh, Lion King. Lion King, yeah. He's Simba. Did Jonathan Brandis do voiceover work? Yeah, he was a he was a, a guest voice on the Aladdin uh, TV series, eight episodes. Um, and then yeah, I mean you know he was he committed suicide fairly young, so yeah. He wasn't in a ton of stuff. Uh, Can we talk about real quick? There's a sh- exterior shot of their house, and it made me so mad. Like, I think it's the first look at their house, and uh, Jonathan Brandis is leaving for school or some shit. It is the worst landscaping I've ever seen. And <laughs> it's actually a great character moment because it really points to the dad, like, oh, he's so obsessed with his floppy disks and his computer programming he doesn't care about mowing the lawn or raking the leaves or maintaining the fucking edges uh on the sidewalk and it's just embarrassing and they got a like a a nice little rambler there Uh, like i would kill for a house like that and yet it goes neglected it really like chat my ass i was really bothered i like how the dad's like he's like oh he cares so much about his floppy disks and his dvds or or laser discs laser discs whatever he's like so he doesn't care about maintaining the lawn and good landscaping like most 12 year old boys you know like i don't think that's the reason why he doesn't care about mowing the lawn like what no the dad oh the dad yeah not barry the dad oh i thought you were saying the the dad's responsibility to take care of that stuff okay yeah i thought you were saying the the, the dad was complaining about how Barry is so obsessed with his fantasy world. No, Barry's got school and he's got black belt yeah. magazine issues to read and he's got girls. And Does it sometimes feel that Barry's school is a high school and it sometimes feel like it's a college? Oh, yeah. The lecture hall. Yeah, I, I immediately like, clocked that lecture hall. I was like, what the fuck high school has a lecture hall like yeah. this? And like a, a teacher who's wearing like a, a sweater vest and like a wool blazer. I was like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. I mean, that's forgivable. I feel like that's something that happens in, like, uh, television shows a lot, partic- or te- movies, television shows a lot, particularly of this era where it, you still have, like, this kind of, like, bygone notion of, like, old school, you know, teachers from the 50s. Well, maybe back east it's like that. Maybe on the, the eastern seaboard, the mid-Atlantic region, every high school looks like that. Doesn't that movie take place in Texas? I have no idea. I'm pretty oh, yeah, sure I guess it, it is. Yeah, because it's the yeah. Texas uh, karate hoedown at the very end. <laughs> so I was actually, I was reading about the nucleus of how this movie came to be. Cause like my first impression was, like, oh, man, this the m- creative inspiration for such a yeah. high concept. I was bonanza. like, uh, I was like, this movie is such an ego trip, you know, but Chuck Norris is not even like really in it, you know, type of thing where it's just like, but it was, um, there was some dude who I think he owned like car dealerships or like appliance stores who was somehow like, friends with Chuck Norris and wanted to get into making movies and convinced him to be in this movie and let him produce it. So he hired just some people to write it and he hired Chuck Norris's brother to direct it. And that's how this movie came to be. Really just thrown together. Yeah. Shocking. 
Yeah, shocking. Uh, Who would have guessed that so sidekicks I, was thrown together? I want to talk about this, the culmination of this movie, which is the karate tournament where he takes on the bullies, you know. Et cetera, oh, hold et on a second. Hold on yeah. a second. Before, before we get to that, can we just talk about Winnie Cooper and how how much she pities this this asthmatic young man? It's so all over the place because I said in that first scene, she looks like she wants to like jump on him like immediately, like, like come to my house. My parents are not home. Yeah. You know? And then later it's just like you pathetic wretch, you know? And even he, even he's all like, well, you want to go out sometimes? She's like, no, I just like, I just feel sorry for you. That's why. I talk yeah. To she you. literally like admits it. And he is rightfully offended because right. it's really upsetting that she has no interest in him until he can do karate and climb and then, a rope in gym class. And then she's like all about it again. Yeah, she's like, you can know? I come to the zoo with you on your private zoo trip? Like she invites herself. Yeah. That's awful. She's all the dirt worst. I'm glad that she disappears at the end and goes back to her home planet. <laughs> um, yeah, she's it's a, it's an interesting choice too because I mean like, I don't know. When this movie came out, like it felt like it was like, oh, like I said, Chuck Norris still felt like a bigger, pretty big star. Um, every, like he has Winnie Cooper in it. She's on this popular television show. Uh, but then you watch the movie. It kind of looks like a made-for-TV movie, and it looks oh yeah, pretty, it looks like this is something that would be made like after after uh, Walker Texas Ranger gets canceled, and he's like, I gotta have one more, you know movie before i fall into complete obscurity type of yeah thing. yeah um but yeah we get to this this the climax which goes on for a long time the co- the karate competition has a lot of extraneous stuff in it and before um, we even get there there the, a training montage starts like maybe at the halfway point of the movie yeah. and then it is instead of like just being a training montage, it is peppered throughout the rest of the movie leading up to the climax. Like it's a never ending training montage. You know, that honestly kind of works for me because so often in these movies you have the training montage and it's just kind of taken. It's, you know, it almost seems like filler in a way to uh, get to get to this type of progression without actually telling the story by having it peppered throughout and having interactions happen in between it. You know, it's like, he has this training montage and then some stuff happens and he gets in a fight with the, with the bully at school and you see that he's gotten like some level of improvement, but he's not quite there yet. You no, know, but he can hang and he's got confidence and right. that's when he earns the gym teacher's respect. I really like that fight. Yeah. Actually. I it really it works. And then you go back to another training montage and it's like, okay, no, he's still learning. He's still progressing. But now he's like doing pull-ups at his house and like right. drinking green tea on the weekends and like running to school every day and like. Uh, they really show his progression. It's, I it's think, kind of impressive. I genuinely think that's what make you know, because like after saying all this, like, oh, this is bad, this is dumb, this is... that Having a, the, his progression and training laid out in that format, I think is what makes this movie like as watchable and enjoyable as it is. If you just had it in like as one clump in the center, the way most movies would do it, um, I think you would be bored to tears with the rest of this movie. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, it, it, it works. In, the, in that respect. Oh, did you clock uh, the, so the scene where they dress up in like the black shirts and like the greasy mullets mm-hmm. uh, together to sort of assault like this, this gang hideout inside the hideout. There's like big tanks 
of like some kind of liquid and you know what it says on the tanks Mm-mm. smog and msg <laughs> i actually like i tuned out pretty hard in that in that scene jonathan brandis is like opening his eyeballs as wide as possible for some reason. Mm-hmm. That's, but when I saw smog and MSG on those tanks, I felt Well, they're yelling laughing. stuff about like, you, we got to put more acid rain in this bubble gum. And it's just <laughs> yeah. like, it's like who wrote this fucking scene? Like what, where, who is it target the target audience? Like it, at times this movie seems like it's, it's for like people who were like 17. And at times it feels like it's for like a three-year-old, you know? Yeah. And it's usually in the fantasy scenes where it, it, it kind of goes like they have this like wild all over the place where like one's like, man, that's pretty violent. Uh, and the other one is just like goofy as fuck with like, like, oh, we're going to put some, some acid rain in the bubble gum and then we're going to get the kids. <laughs> and like, there's like mustache twirling and jumping up and down. And, and then they proceed to blow them all up. Yeah. With a bazooka. And it's like, what's yeah yeah that that one i i i tuned out a little bit and uh also it was just gross when they blew him up with the gum and just all the melted gum i hate that oh that yeah disgusting. that, that for, for some reason stuff like that that, that was cut, what turned you off <laughs> like when because that was a thing in like movies around this era was like getting like covered in like a gooey bubble gum type substance like completely your entire body like like that happened in movies like this a lot and it was oh, always yeah. just like Pepto-Bismol or something thrown on them. And it just looks like pink cum. Yeah. Like splattered all over the place. And it really like, uh, it really yeah bothers me for some reason. Like I can watch someone's guts spill out. No problem. But, ew, don't cover them in bubble gum. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, we get to this climax, which is possibly the most absurd moment of the movie. It has some of the most absurd moments of the movie. in it. Every karate guy at this karate event has a mullet. And a yes. mustache. Like, and this mustache. is the era of the North American karate guy. And there seems to be no, like, rules to this karate, like, tournament. Like, no. you have karate teams of, like, like four-year-old children and elderly men competing together against yeah. each other. There's no divisions. Yeah. Like, they're all competing together. There's, like, weapons demonstrations. There's brick breaking. And then I guess there's some tournament fights, but only, like, a couple. It's weird. None of it makes sense. Oh, and everybody's got their like karate gi except mm-hmm. for Jonathan Brandis. So this is literally a karate a karate event, right? And then Jonathan Brandis shows up with Team Frying Dragon. And he's wearing like a kung fu uniform and mm-hmm. then his teacher is also on his team and she proceeds to start doing like like wushu and uh like traditional like Shaolin Kung Fu in her demonstration. None of it makes sense. No. And then there were Uh, ninjas and samurais in the movie early. That was, that was, that that was, yeah. Yeah. That scene where he has like his weapons demonstration at the thing. And it's like, how is, how are they gonna make Jonathan Brandis look really good doing weapons? It's like, Oh, they'll just turn into a fantasy moment. And he's in a ninja outfit and someone else is doing everything to his credit. The shots where he is using the nunchucks, were pretty cool. They're and, not bad at all. And you no. can tell he actually did some uh, some legit training to be able to do that, which is super cool. I also, that reminds me of my favorite shot in the entire movie. It's when, it's part of the training montage and 
uh, Mako and Jonathan Brandis are walking down the train tracks, uh, twirling their nunchucks together. Yeah, it's a very cute like. I like that one. Sentimental yeah. like. Aww. You could, I mean, yeah. There's the elements in here. You could make a, an actual really good movie with. Oh with yeah. One of the elements. This could be. It could be yeah. great. You know. If you chop it up and remix it, yeah, yeah. There's a movie in here for sure. And it doesn't even have to be like a. You could have the same thing with a fantasy element, and it didn't ha- wouldn't have to be a re- a real star. You know, he, there could be some sort of fictional martial artists that the that the kid is really into and who keeps popping up in the fantasy scenes. You know. Um, but the most, the, the most like ridiculous part, or not even the most ridiculous part of this whole thing. I'll get to the most ridiculous part. But the most is like, what the hell? Like, how is this? Like, feel good? Is they show up? Jonathan Brandis, his teacher, his, his uh, uh, the teacher's uncle, who's his, who is his like karate instructor or martial arts instructor, and they don't have enough people for their team. And they're like, here's what we're gonna do. Chuck Norris is at this event as a celebrity guest. We'll ask him to be on the team. And that's obviously supposed to be like a cute moment where it's like, you know, like the, the, his, his teacher is going to go up to him and say like, Hey, can you possibly help out my student? He's your hero. You're his hero. And Chuck Norris goes like, yeah, I'm a good guy. I'll do something like that. And then like they get to meet and his dreams come true. But the implication here is that the underdog is going to, win the karate tournament with the help of what this movie proposes that Chuck Norris is the world's greatest martial artist. So he's going to employ him to beat up all the other martial artists at the tournament so he can win. And that's not really like an underdog story of success. No, not at all. It's kind of a, uh, what do you want to call it? A red herring, a MacGuffin, uh, a magical well, magical it's, savior it's like it's like if uh, it's like if okay i uh, you got the the sandlot not the sandlot because i guess it's really not like a no that's true it's like if babe ruth showed up to like play on their team instead of benny right the Jet. or you just paid it like a hitman to kill their their best player so you could <laughs> yeah. so you could win i mean like it's not a it's wish fulfillment it's not a, but it's not it's not underdog no it's story. a it's a super lame way I mean, it kind of, I, I, I kind of get where the idea came from, but it's not a good one. And it's it's just the easiest way to finally get Jonathan Brandis teamed up with Chuck Norris in the real world. And that's or, it. What you could have him do is Chuck Norris says, okay, I'll be on your team so you have the four, right? But he doesn't compete. And when things are looking dire for Jonathan Brandis' character in the tournament, which they never are, but when, but if they were, Chuck Norris is the one who gives him the inspiration he needs to go back out there and uh, and win. Yeah, that's the weirdest part is that Chuck Norris is just sort of a, a floating in the periphery and never really like influences right Jonathan Brandis at all. And that's where I start to have like theories about him. And I'm always like, wait a second, what's going on here, really? But they do focus on. Jonathan Brandis and his sensei instead, which right. I think is kind of cool. And also you get those moments where Jonathan Brandis stands on his own and it's all up to him, but it has nothing to do with fighting and the, like an actual tournament. Like it's literally like him karate chopping away the last of his anxiety and self doubt and fake right. asthma. And that's it. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's another thing where the, 
where where Chuck Norris's appearance in this scene could have been done better. You could have done the one where it's just the real Chuck Norris is there and he gives him the inspiration he needs, or it's still just the fantasy Chuck Norris. And by the end of this fight, he he learns that he's I have to step away from my fantasy to do something in reality. Yeah, you know, and he says goodbye to Chuck Norris in the fantasy, you know, type of thing. Oh yeah, you know, he's like I'm not the sidekick anymore. I'm the guy. Um, that also would have been uh, a much better way to integrate integrate Chuck Norris into this big finale. And the most perplexing thing about the whole thing is, okay, he wins, he he, he beats the bully, et cetera, et cetera. Does he though? He does, yeah. He he beats the bully, but he doesn't beat the bully. In in fact, the sensei says it like so eloquently. He says, "You're here to confront bricks, not that stupid boy." There's the- no final fight. It's it's uh yeah they're bra- it's a breaking brick competition versus a fighting competition which I mean whether or not they're actually fighting each other there is a challenge that one of them has to you know meet I mean it could be the same thing if it was like a foot race you know it's like you're not actually fighting them you're competing against them type of thing well I want to talk about that for a second because Jonathan Brandis and the bully get into like a legit fight in the gym like right. halfway through the movie. And it gets broken up. Uh, the bully is mostly dominating, but Jonathan Brandis is kind of holding his own, which is super cool. Afterwards, the bully comes up to him. The bully mm-hmm. shoves a flyer in his face and is like, you want to be a real karate guy and you want to do it right uh, by the rules? Do it here at the karate turn. What? The bully is like, let's do this in an official manner with supervision and rules. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I don't see that as that, that far-fetched. You know, he's like, I'm going there. I'm going to do this. You come here, I'll f- humiliate you in front of not just the class, but in front of the world type That's of thing. That's fine. But in their fight, he's like stepping on his chest and like he's like a shitty dude. And it does not culminate in them settling their their beef with fists it's literally like a matter of pride and that's true where that's not terribly satisfying <laughs> true but as the movie like i think mako's character states it's like the point of martial arts is to not hurt someone it's to prevent yourself from getting hurt that's true you know and this is kind of the weird like kind of like contradictory notion in all of chuck norris's persona in films he always kind of presents himself as like this anti-bully anti-violence uh, you know, do the right thing, like, uh, type character, but then he just literally murders everybody left and right for no reason. Only beats the shit out of people who are not qualified to be fighting him. Exactly, exactly. Which is actually true to his real life persona as well, because he has that same attitude as he presents himself in real life about, like, being anti-bully, you know, living up to your best expectations, the, the spiritual side of martial arts, but then he's also, like, a big asshole who... Uh, writes op-eds and uh, ammunition monthly about why they shouldn't let gay kids be in the uh, Boy Scouts and has all these like right-wing ideas about repressing people and whatnot, you know? So we're like, you are a bully, dude. I got him. Do you hear that, Chuck Norris? Elliot Greenman's gunning for you, bud. That's right. Dust off the old cowboy boots. I waited till he was 80 years old to talk shit on him. Yeah, now it's it's finally a level playing field. (laughs) I was was afraid of him until the... Um, but no, I think I, I honestly kind of do like the fact that it's not necessarily like a physical, like punching each other in the face showdown. Um, no, it is pretty refreshing that he just, he literally just breaks the brick record and the sensei lights them on fire and he does it. 
Like he, yeah. he finds the, the which is the where do you get that lighter fluid? Oh, I don't know. He's just like I caved this around just it, in case. I it was probably lights. just in his apron. You know, he yeah, was wearing sure. an apron uh, when he showed that's up true. to the tournament. That's true. Yeah, that's a good point. From the restaurant. Okay, that makes that actually makes sense. But then we yeah, we get to this ending. Uh, he wins. Then it cuts to Chuck Norris and him sitting on a bench outside. The bully has disappeared. The bully just disappears into thin air. Winnie Cooper just disappears into thin air. Everyone's gone. Like the characters in this movie, once they have outlived their usefulness, they vaporize. And he's talking to him and uh, he's like saying the things about like, oh, Sean DeBranthus, Chuck Norris, like, oh, it's so great for you to be here. It's a dream come true. And Chuck Norris is like, dreams do come true when you work hard enough for them blah 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 then his teacher and his dad come out and he's like oh i gotta go say hi to him and he gets up and starts to walk away and then he looks back at the bench that they were sitting on chuck norris has disappeared and in his place is just the chuck norris martial arts magazine yeah the black carried. belt magazine with him on the cover so the implication here is is that that was to a fantasy, right? Yeah. However, the only way they were allowed to compete in the martial arts tournament was by having a fourth member who was chuck norris unless it was a chuck norris impersonator that was just making an appearance i don't know i think this is a strong implication it it, it just it just blows this whole like like what is going on i mean i know this is just a dumb kids movie but no but you're right like everything that jonathan brandis says in that moment is pointing to like thanks for everything chuck I don't need you anymore. Like right. a- alluding to the fact that he's like, I don't need my fantasies and my, my, you know, my daydreams about you anymore of which you are a part. Right. Like he's not real. And it's very strange. Which once again, that would work if he always remained a fantasy. If you never was like, there was never this notion that the real Chuck Norris is here at the tournament. Yeah, you know? but he literally, the real Chuck Norris literally, sh- you know, gives him a hug and shakes the hand of his dad and yeah. it's like, hey, yeah, it's me, Chuck Norris. Happy to like, help out, guys. He Love interacts with He interacts with people who aren't in it in Jonathan Brandis' fantasies when he's not around. So, yeah, uh, it doesn't, It I get that it's supposed to be this emotional scene of, yeah, him saying goodbye to his, you know, like you said, like, I, I thank you for everything. You helped me through this, like, but I, I'm going to be okay. So that's why he, dematerializes and turns back into the, the magazine uh, that, he, that Jonathan Brandis always carried around religiously and then leaves on the bench as he leaves. So just littering. Honestly, um, I would have liked this movie a whole lot more if it was about like sort of a magical copy of Black Belt magazine. It <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> it would have ended up being much closer to a similar movie called Last Action Hero. That's true. Which yeah. I think is much better overall and by by its end does a better job of kind of making its points but uh yeah the idea of like wherever this magazine goes the spirit of chuck norris goes would be pretty cool well and then the kid i mean who picks up (laughs) (laughs) who picks up i mean it's just so on the nose and it's like it's that's one of those just the final shot of this movie is one of those things where you can tell they were spitballing ideas and they right. were like wow that sounds really good that's the kind of message we want to send but the visual is not it seems it seems condescending it's also yeah it's a little absurd where it's 
he leaves the magazine. He le- walks off with his dad and his teacher. For some reason, uh, the uncle, the sensei character, is not there. And then you just see a kid pick up the magazine and go, wow, radical. And then Yeah, you get a- the sense that this next kid is he's going to be inspired by Chuck Norris and achieve great things as well. And, and then we zoom out and... It's a kid in a wheelchair just wheeling away, waving the magazine around in his hand. Now, and this is where I think talking about this is kind of like not necessarily tricky, but in terms of like how we're we're starting to be more aware and view things today, we are talking about people who are underrepresented and having inclusion. And, you know, why are, why don't we ever have, you know, characters who are disabled and have them just let them be characters and whatnot? And they should be. So someone could make the argument that's saying like, see, they're, look, at that's what they were doing. But that is not what they were doing. They were saying, look, see, even kids in wheelchairs don't have to be losers, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's yeah it's just so condescending and it almost lands on this like because the whole point of the movie is like your asthma isn't real right you're just uh not confident in yourself and karate will fix that Mm -hmm. and then where it lands here is like oh don't worry kid like if you just start doing karate you're gonna be fine right and you'll be able to walk again it's like yeah it doesn't okay guys it doesn't work it doesn't work yeah that is the that is like one hundred percent the most memorable part of the movie though. Like that is the part. That oh, was unforgettable! Ingrained, unforgettable! Ingrained in my brain from watching it, you know, in the past. Yep. I also uh, like to as the uh, after he uh, Jonathan Brandis leaves Chuck Norris on the bench, he goes over with uh, his teacher, uh, presumably his new mom. And mm-hmm. uh, his, yeah. his dad, his dad is carrying the trophy. They all just lock arms and start going, we did it. And his dad, yeah. his dad is thrusting the trophy into the air, like doesn't even hand it off or give it to him. Right. He's just I like, thought that was very odd. Yeah. <laughs> what an asshole. He spent all this time neglecting this kid. And then all of a sudden his kid's a winner and he's hogging that trophy for himself. What a dick. Luckily, Jonathan Brandis is like, he's like feeling good about himself. He's wearing a bomber jacket now. Like he's sort of got his own identity. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think he's too bothered by it. No, he's like, oh, my dad can have this trophy. He's a loser. Yeah, it, well, exactly. I think that's where it's headed. He's going to be like, oh, I'm a like confident karate badass, and I'm going to uh, breach that point as a teenager where I realize how much of a pathetic wiener my dad is, and I'm going to take over the household. Yeah. So the sequel will be very, like sidekicks to Dark Territory, where he's like uh, starts hallucinating about... Uh, Steven Seagal. No, see, this and is... And slicking his hair back, putting shoe polish in it. This is what happens, is we get into that sequel, Barry, Jonathan Branson's character, is, like, off at college, everything's fine, the dad's home alone, and the dad is having fantasies, like, the same daydream fantasies, but it's oh. not about an action hero. It's not an action hero. It's about it's Bill just, Gates. Bill or, like, Gates. Steve Jobs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or, like, a Gordon Gecko from Wall Street, you know? Yeah. It's, like, it's that type of thing, you know? I would watch that movie. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Final thoughts on this. Would you recommend it? It's hard for me to turn down a martial arts movie overall. Uh, if somebody's mm-hmm. kicking or, or punching or wearing a, a gi in it, there's a good chance I'm going to watch it. If you're looking for a, a couple of laughs, uh, I'd say give it a shot. I w- Yeah, I kind of like would say the same thing. I think this movie is, if you... I wouldn't recommend it to just anyone, but yeah, if, if you're watching, watching something goofy, say if you're on like an 80s or early 90s action movie kick, you know, this could be a fun one to throw in the, into the mix just to be like, like, oh yeah, this is weird. 
and particularly if you've never seen it before, if you were like, watch Delta Force or watch some other, you know, Chuck Norris movie and then watch this immediately after type of thing. Uh, I think for the, in, in that respect, you could have a, you could have a fun time with it. And it's not boring. Like I said, it moves along. It's, there's some unintentional laughs. Uh, there's some, a few genuine moments that really work. Uh, it's not a great movie, but it's, it's certainly not garbage. Well, it probably actually it is garbage, but it's like entertaining garbage. No, I think that's a good point. If you grab all the movies that uh, are referenced in this movie and watch them leading up to it, I think that's the perfect sort of movie night or like marathon. Yeah, like watch Karate Kid and then watch this, you know. And what's funny, I was reading Roger Ebert's review and uh, of this, and I watched the Siskel and Ebert on their show talk about it. And their main complaint was the mo- with the movie is that it's predictable because we've already seen the Karate Kid, and that's such a weak like complaint because that's the kind of I feel like saying something's predictable is what you say when you don't know what what else to say about it and what or why you think it's not very good because so many movies are predictable and predictability really doesn't matter most of the time. Like if it's a mystery thrill type of movie and it's predictable, that's not so great. But this is a movie isn't predictable because we've seen karate kid and they both involve martial arts in some respect and an old uh, man teaching a young white kid martial arts. It's predictable because we've also seen every sports movie ever made, you know, yeah, I think too. Though, uh, when, when if you look at Karate Kid side by side, it is a pretty similar movie. It's so much better oh, it, as as like a serious movie, like with character development and like real like sort of complete characters with motivations and complex lives. It's it's vastly superior. So, if I was a movie critic instead of just a you know some goof who likes watching every movie ever made. Uh, I would probably have that same opinion. I mean, no, Karate Kid is is a, is legitimately a very good movie. Like, I was actually recently watching, um, you know, Scott Atkins. Uh, he was doing one of those YouTube videos where it's like expert breaks down martial art fights in movies, and they brought they were talking they were showing one from the Karate Kid, and he goes like, I always say that Karate Kid is one of the best martial arts movies ever made, and everyone always kind of turns their nose up to that notion, but he's like, look at it, it does. It completely teaches the philosophy of martial arts and why you do martial arts and why you don't do martial arts. Uh, it shows someone going through all the training steps the way you, the, the way all these movies do, and it does it really well. And blah 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 blah, and hits all these notes and marks. And who cares if it's not like the most flashy or has the most elaborate action scenes? It does everything it needs to do to tell this story about about the spirit of martial arts. I mean, I'm inclined to agree, although I see why some people would be bothered by that because it doesn't it doesn't show like the the potential and sort of the the best of the best as like an exhibition but it but it does show it it shows intent and purpose and philosophy and well i mean it it has bigger bigger ideas than most martial arts movies and you could also say make an argument too that what we just mentioned like watching real karate is kind of boring and so many of these movies were obviously watching uh the, the theatrical uh style of it which is great but in a lot of these you know martial arts movies it's about someone becoming impossibly good at martial arts you know going through this like rigorous training routine to become like this master with impossible inhuman levels of martial arts and this is the karate kid is much more grounded in just kind of like hey this is something you can do to build confidence and you know uh 
learn about learn about values and et cetera, et cetera, and have guide and focus in life, you know? Daniel LaRusso never actually becomes, like, exceptionally great at martial arts in any of the Karate Kid movies. I mean, somehow he is compared to everyone in the Valley. I mean, yeah. But that's not that big of a region, right? It's not like he's going to, like, the Nationals or, like, the World Champion. He's, like, a regional champion. Even in the first one, though, it doesn't really seem like he's the best. It just seems like he has the... He has the most spirit and understands the concepts of martial arts more than his competitors, so he's able to de- defeat them in that regard, uh, rather than being technically the best at it. Like when he shows up to the final term- tournament and you see the other people doing stuff, he's like he's well underskilled compar- comparatively. Oh yeah, but I think too also he's learning like slightly different techniques than everybody else right they're getting taught like american homogenized you know karate school karate while he's learning that unfiltered japanese karate well that's the point right it's like the cobra kai guy is teaching everyone how to beat the shit out of everybody and then mr miyagi is teaching daniel like how to be a good person and how to care love and care about yourself and how to how to defend yourself if you need to. Well, great. You know? If you like Karate Kid so much, Mr. Karate Kid Lover, uh, when are you going to watch Cobra Kai? I've watched a few episodes. Yeah, well, you better watch all four seasons because it's, okay. a, 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 it's a banger of a show. Holy shit. All right, I'll get to it. <laughs> I don't know if they're learning any valuable lessons, but <laughs> it sure is entertaining. <laughs> Yeah, this is what I've seen is enjoyable. Anyway, okay, well, that's our discussion, our new episode about Karate Kid. Yeah, uh, let me let me finish with this review from IMDb. It's yeah. so, it's beautiful, and I appreciate the, the person who took the time to write this. The title of the review is Wonderful Movie for Children. I just got done watching this movie on television with my two children, a boy who is five and a girl who is seven, and I feel it is a wonderful family movie. My children asked if we could buy it. I remembered watching this movie when it first came out. I was about 17 at the time, and I liked it then, too. (laughs) It is similar to Karate Kid, but I enjoyed the twist of the kid daydreaming and overcoming his asthma. The movie sends a wonderful message to children. It shows that that having an illness doesn't mean they can't be quote-unquote normal. It also teaches them how to gain control of their anger and channel it into something good. And like the Karate Kid, it shows that being a bully never pays off. I Yeah, I love the consequences uh, that the bully experienced. Remember that? Remember the consequences? Yeah, the, <laughs> the consequences of nothing. Furthermore, it shows kids that it's normal to daydream and don't let others tease you and push you around because you are different. All it takes is a little hard work and determination and you can find something you are good at. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I think this movie would just, as a child, would have just given me unrealistic expectations about how if I just sit around and do nothing, eventually uh, an elderly man will immigrate from from uh, from Asia and teach me all the martial arts I need to know. Yeah, I would have just looked around and been like, "There's no one in my neighborhood who can help solve my problems." Like, yeah. Anyway, well, there we go. That is our episode on sidekicks. We'll be back with some other type of episode in the future. Yeah, maybe a movie that we're uh, a little more over the moon about, but you know, yeah. that's what happens when you roll the dice on revisiting some of these movies. Uh, you Absolutely. win some and you lose some, and uh, sometimes you break seven bricks and sometimes you break eight. Today was a seven-brick day, but that's okay. I'm breaking, we're going to break the record next time and go for nine. Yeah, we're going for the world record, baby. 
Hell yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next time. And Keith, why don't you send us out? Chuck Norris? Chuck Norris? He doesn't compete anymore, kid. And the main reason, one of the main reasons he doesn't compete anymore is me. He doesn't compete because I would kick his ass. And until next time, the dumpster is closed. Goodbye, everybody. Everybody go back to doing what you were doing.